it's smelling really good at Edge of URC Podcast right now. Got a lasagna, some garlic bread in the oven, ready to eat after work, and then doing some podcast editing. I gotta get a show out, so dinner can wait. It can smell good while it's cooking, but I'm gonna keep this intro short, short and sweet, because the lasagna is smelling really good. I don't wanna eat my mic, I don't wanna eat the headset, or any of this equipment we got here. We'll, we'll save it for the lasagna. So just wanna touch a few things first. Episode 93, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon LaChance. We have a great guest on this episode, Kyle Bolfer, Mendota graduate, 2008 football player, went on to play in college. Now he is a master chef. I'm going to say master chef. I see his food. Haven't ate none yet. We will link up and probably do an in-person podcast of him cooking some food. He is doing some big things. I see the sushi that he's laying out, the things that he's cooking on the grill. He is in love with what he's doing, and that's amazing. We talk a little bit about everything, of course, sports, whether it's high school and his career, his college career, and, of course, professional sports. Huge Cubs fan, huge Bears fan. And, of course, his family. His family helped me out at a crazy time in my life when I needed some guidance, some people behind me. And his family was definitely there, took me in, and we're awesome, awesome, awesome people. We definitely talk about it in the podcast, conversation between the two of us, but I will always have a place in my heart and give big shout outs to Brittany Bolfer, Brianna Bolfer, Karen Bolfer, Steve Bolfer, and then of course, Kyle Bolfer. Awesome people. Glad we got Kyle on this podcast. A few days ago, I was looking on Facebook and saw some... And a heartbreaking news, an accident took the life of two Fieldcrest alumnus in Jared Segerman and Seth Unra. I'm hoping that I said Seth's last name right. Did not know him, never spoke with him. I think I seen him in passing in a football game or two. Actually a basketball game, I think I did see him in a basketball game. Didn't know him, didn't speak with him. I did talk to Jared a few times. With the football team, Fieldcrest Knights, he was a big part of the program. My thoughts are with the families, the Fieldcrest community, Illinois Valley community. A lot of people reached out on Facebook to Fieldcrest football, and I want to as well. My thoughts are with everybody that knew these kids and everybody that is feeling the impact of their passing in an accident. Just want to give my thoughts to the family, friends, and loved ones of Jared and Seth. Let's get a word from our sponsor, and then we will get to the Kyle Bulfer conversation. Like I said, I'm going to keep this short. I smell the lasagna. It has got four and a half minutes left on the timer. You know, lasagna is very important. I'm almost like Garfield when it comes to lasagna. Love me some lasagna. But to make some awesome lasagna, you have to have an awesome stove. Or a pretty cool stove. And the stove is usually in your house. And you want your house to be the best that it can be. With that said, whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish 
with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Hope you are having a fantastic Tuesday. We will be back Wednesday with the show. AJ Bullis, LaSalle Peru grad, is the guest. He is now a manager with the men's hoops team, Michigan Dearborn. And then on Friday, we will have Tom Pomato, Putnam County graduate in 1972. He was a pitcher for the Panthers, and he is still pitching to this day. So... Make sure you come back Wednesday and Friday for our next shows. Until next time, peace. When this COVID-19 coronavirus first came around, I was trying to cook up all kinds of stuff that I didn't even know what I was doing. Looking up recipes, buying stuff that I normally didn't cook. You know, I always thought I was an okay cook, but you know, I was thinking I could do something different. So that's what I tried to do. Well, my guest today, Mr. Kyle Bolfer, is Chef Kyle and does this for a living, been doing this for a long time. Kyle, how's it going, my friend? Oh, it's going really good, man. It's nice to talk to you. Definitely. So we have to, like, touch on our past. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we, gotta go we gotta go way back, man. <laughs> way back, way back. And we will start with cooking because I remember you when you were making macaroni and cheese and hot ham and cheese sandwiches. Oh my god, yeah, it was like way back in the day, it'd be like back over on 4th Street, man, that's like forever ago, that's before I didn't even know anything about food. So I was dating your sister, your family was nice enough to take me in when I was having some family yes. deals, I think I that- remember that, man, that was fun, we pretty much lived in my house for a long time, we had, ate, ate a bunch of food together, we hung out, played some video games, I remember that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so I would have been 17-ish, it was my senior yeah. year, so you would have been probably like 14, 13? 13, 13, 14, yeah, yeah. And you were already a big boy then. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I was, man, yeah, I was playing, I was in junior tackle then, and I mean, I really wasn't like coming into my own yet, though, like as far as like football, I really like wasn't, you know, didn't really think I was going to play football. I just kind of was doing because everyone else was playing football at that time, but, but yeah, I was a big boy. I didn't realize how big I was. <laughs> what I do remember me finding out <laughs> at about that time, about those same ages, me 17 or 18, you 13 or 14, I don't remember what happened or what started it, but you and I had a disagreement, and you pushed oh, yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I don't really push you down or something like that. I was over something stupid, man. It was like, I don't even remember what it was, but I pushed you down or something like that. I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I was like protecting my sister or something like that, but it was something silly, man. It was like... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you pushed oh, me, man. and I felt like I was on a roller coaster flying through the air. Not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably when I realized. I probably when I realized that. <laughs> Actually, how strong I was. And I was uh, not a small. I'm not a small dude either. Even in well, high school. Yeah, you were. I was saying you were never really a small dude too, man. I remember that. Yeah, and you. I was flying. I flew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That, that's when I knew that you were a big dude. So. And a strong dude. 
So obviously that's going to help us transition into Mendota football. So you graduated in 2008. When I was there, I graduated in 04, we were awful. I mean, our football program was nothing. You came in, your class, and maybe the class before you came in and, you know, turned the whole Mendota football program around and had a lot of great success. Just talk about your run with the Mendota Trojans football team. I I think the the huge transition for us is when we came in, I guess freshman, we had a huge group. I think we had like almost 70 kids our freshman year tryout or obviously made the team and everyone you know everyone played and we just had a really good group we had a good core of people and we all kind of stuck together but I think it honestly really all started with us like working out in the weight room um, and that really just kind of transitioned us to really just kind of work together and even like throughout the summer like the workouts just hanging out you know and just really pushing each other because I think in our freshman year we won conference we were like co-champions and you know, it kind of set the tone for, you know, the next four years um, playing. And, you know, just even the older guys that, you know, Andres Espinosa, Eddie, you know, a lot of those guys that we kind of looked up to really just kind of we all worked together and just kind of built off each other. But it kind of set the bar for those kids below us. But I think it just kind of obviously, you know, going into the program not being so great, um, you know, we had all the tools and all the people to do it. But, yeah, I mean, just lifting and stuff, that was one of the biggest things. And you had great coaches, man. That was one of the greatest things I remember about playing football is just we had a great coaching staff between, you know, McKenzie, Kurt Bruno, Doc, and Perez, you know. And, I mean, Messini was still coaching at that time, too. Um, you know, I think I mentioned Steingroth as well. I mean, we just had a great coaching staff. Let's give the first name for all these coaches. So, obviously, Kurt Bruno, insurance salesman in Benota, pretty much well-known. John McKenzie. Who are the other guys that you mentioned? We had Jeff Barrett, uh, Joel Perez, uh, Brock Sangroth. I mean, Ray Yalk, obviously, out of all the people. I mean, he, he, like, our freshman year, Brandon, like, he came to every single kid's house and talked to our parents and, like, was like, we want your kid to play football and, you know, just basically just had a you know, sat down and talked to each individual one of us and just really just kind of set a great present. You know, Ray, Ray has a huge history with Mendota, you know, and I remember when he came to my house, his, uh, his Mustang, like a 68 or 67 Mustang started on fire in front of my house. I put it out with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. He like went to leave my house and, uh, he like, uh, all of a sudden he, like turning it over. Then all of a sudden look out the things on fire. So I ran outside and like put it out. You know, and uh, it was just crazy. But, no, Ray was a great guy. He was a great coach. And he just really just brought us all together and kept us all together. And, you know, and obviously as we went to our sophomore year, junior year, you know, sophomore year was a little hard because we had a little down season. We, I think, we only won one game that year. But then we came into our junior year. We won, we won, had a winning season, you know, went to the second round. And then obviously our senior year, we, had, we went 9-2. and two. It's just every year, man, we were just hungry. We just, you know, we just wanted to be better. And obviously, you know, you get those younger kids in there and you want to set the bar for them. And, uh, you know, I uh, look back at it, man, I'm just grateful that I played. And, I mean, obviously got to play college ball, too. So I was really, really fortunate for that as well. Definitely. We'll get to your college career in a minute. Ray Yauk, the I, I want to say he's like the founding father of the Mendota Quarterback Club, which has done a lot yes. for Mendota football and yep. bringing you know stars from the Chicago Bears yesteryears into mm-hmm. you know the Mendota area with golf tournaments and you know things like that. So he's done a lot for the football community here. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's just overall around a great guy. I mean, just just his presence. I mean, even funny like. 
even in practices, I mean, it's just the stuff that he would say sometimes, you know, he would just make jokes and stuff and then we'd be on practice. But you guys need to hurry up with these sprints. He's like, yeah, he's like, I got a hot date after this. And, you know, just, just goofy stuff all the time, you know, but he would just keep practice fun and just, you know, just give us the basic fundamentals of it. And, you know, as, as it kind of transitioned on and, you know, I really grew a really great relationship with Kurt um, Bruno is just because like he, we transition a lot of what we learn in football to basic life skills as far as, you know, like pushing yourself to always do your best and always work hard and stuff. And I've always had a lot of utmost respect for that man, just, just throughout a lot of things. And I've remained friends with him ever since then. You know what I mean? How long I've been since I graduated high school. I mean, I still talk to the guy almost you know, once a month and just catch up with him. So it's, it's just been great. And every guy on that staff was a pretty accomplished football player themselves. Yes. I mean, Doc Absolutely. Barrett was a monster. Mm-hmm. Joel Perez was a monster. Kurt Bruno was a monster. Every yeah. single person that you said, Sangroth, is still got the biggest calves I have ever seen. Oh, I know. Well, he was one of the main reasons why I lifted so much. I mean, he got me into those weightlifting competitions, and, and you know, he really pushed me to lift. Because, you know, my freshman year, I came in, and we bench-pressed, like, 85 pounds. You know, I bench-pressed 85 pounds my freshman year. When I went into my sophomore year, I was bench-pressed at 275. And then I think when I graduated, I put up 415. I was, you know, squatting, like, 575, and I lifted, like, 650. You know, as I graduated high school, and I think at the age of 16, I did a push-pull meet in Galesburg, and I, I pulled 600 pounds at the age of 16. It was like, you know, so he was a huge inspiration for me as far as, like, working hard and, you know, getting in the, getting in the gym and, you know, focusing on that, because obviously that helped develop me as, as an athlete and, you know, focusing on those things as far as, like, developmental and getting strong and just being the biggest person, because I had a huge frame. Which you know, I came in, I was kind of mushy, <laughs> mushy when I came in my freshman year. Then obviously I graduated, and I wasn't, you know, I was pretty stocky when I left. So definitely, now we've been talking about you not being a big boy, and you just said you were pretty stocky. What? <laughs> uh, let's talk about your frame. How tall are you? How big are you? We'll talk about your so high school years. When I graduated high school, I was like five foot ten, five foot eleven, and I was probably pushing like three ten. Um, and right now I'm about six foot, and I'm pushing like three seventy five right now. So. Still, a little, add a little more weight on me. I'm still, I'm still pretty strong. You know, I haven't really hit the gym as much as I should, but you know, I can still, still move some weight though when I want to. And you were obviously an offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Defensive line, yeah. So I, I ran defense all throughout high school. So yeah, I, uh, when I graduated and finished up my senior year, I, you know, I was all conference, all state. Um, and when I got recruited, going to college, went to Benedict University, and I was going to play defensive line. Well. My, my my senior year, we just had a lot of people moving around, and you know, the coach was like, "Hey, you know, we really want somebody a little bit quicker on the D line." So they had transitioned me over to offense, which I was, I was okay with it. You know, I was like, "I'll play wherever you guys need me to." You know, obviously we're a team, and we have, you know, I'll work wherever I can. And so uh, I got into college, and uh, I reported for camp. So I went over to the defensive coordinator, and he's like, "What are you doing over here?" I was like. I'm here for camp. He's like, no, you're with offensive linemen. So the crazy thing is, is that uh, uh, Coach McMahon, Vince McMahon, um, not WWE Vince McMahon, but Vince McMahon, he was actually the coach uh, for IBCC uh, for Kurt Bruno. He uh, coached when they won two, I think they won two national titles. Um, so he was the one that actually got me in contact with Vince for Benedictine. And that's kind of how I transitioned over that. But he was the offensive line coach at Benedictine. And so uh, he coached me when I was there and uh, was just, you know, I was like, okay, I'll learn how to play offense. And I played a little bit my senior year. And 
obviously learned a, a lot, you know, just positioning, you know, different stances and passing and obviously college ball is a little bit different. So, but yeah, it was uh, a different experience for sure, but a great coaching staff as well. Are you sure it wasn't Vince McMahon? You did not hit anybody with a table or chair? No, no, there's no, they wouldn't let me bring no tables or chairs out there, so. <laughs> I wish. We could have I the wish. XFL mash with WWE. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome, man. Oh, man, I, all I can think about is I think XFL, I think like the old Blitz games, man. I love those so much. <laughs> We may have played those together, to be completely honest. I was just going to say that. I'm like, we probably played Blitz a time or two, man. We had to have. Had to have. Had to have. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you go to Benedictine. I mean, just talk about that experience, you know, moving on from high school to college ball. And, you know, everybody wants to do that when they're playing high school ball. But then to actually get the opportunity, that had to mean a lot to you. It, it meant a huge deal to me. So, you know, obviously when I decided I wanted to go to college, I mean, there were so many different different options for me. And I had a couple couple opportunities to go play at a couple of bigger schools, some D2 schools. Um, you know, I had a, a couple opportunities at like Ball State and, you know, some bigger schools. And it honestly really came down to what I wanted to do for my education because I think a lot of people get mixed up in that as far as like, oh, you know, I want to play sports or, you know, and my thing was like, I, I want to get a good education. And so, uh, and I, I wanted to stay kind of close to home too because, you know, I knew dad's health at that time wasn't the best and I wanted to kind of stay a little bit closer to home. So uh, I uh, looked closer and when I found that school, man, I was just really, really impressed with the, you know, it was an AstroTurf field great sports complex um great school you know it's like right outside the city in the suburbs and you know near naperville and so you know i reported for camp and it's just i mean there's 110 people on the roster you know so you kind of can get a little bit lost in there so when i reported for camp you know i just kind of didn't really know too many people so i uh you know went in there and just kind of did my thing and i remember the uh, first or second practice with pads i mean obviously the older seniors and stuff are giving you kind of a little bit of a hard time and this uh one guy and uh one-on-ones he was just kind of like you know talking down to me a little bit you know and so like the next play i was like a bootleg and i had to pull out and like run up you know and protect the qb and like i turned up and like the pass got brought up the receiver was getting blocked and so i ended up turning up the field and so I see this guy that was razzing me the whole practice, and so I turned back and just cracked him and knocked him down. And so, like, everyone went insane, was, like, freaking out, like, so, you know, all excited. So I was just, like, my first big hit, you know, so like, I'm walking back in the huddle. And so then I just feel someone reach over, rip my helmet off, and then I experienced my first, like, college football practice fight. So that was pretty intense because that usually happened pretty much every day. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this does really happen. But yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty intense offense, defense. You know, it, it gets pretty, pretty intense at those practices and stuff. But no, I mean, I had a great time. I mean, I, I met some of my best friends in college, and you know, uh, the one thing that I, I will say is that I, I found my passion as far as with food and stuff too. And you know, I, I did cook a little bit when I was in high school. I worked at the Elks. That's actually where it all started. You know, I tell people that is that's where it all began. Was at the Elks Lodge there in Mendota. So it uh, kind of originated there, and then it transitioned when I moved up there and started working in a bunch of different places. So let's jump right into the food thing. I mean, you just said started at the Elks. That's where you kind of found the passion. But what is it about food and cooking, and what just made you kind of fall in love, and that's what you decided you want to do? So, I mean, obviously growing up as a young kid, I mean, so when I was super young, 
know, parents were always working all the time and stuff. So a lot of the times, I mean, you remember we were cooking. I was at you come home, come come to our house. I was cooking food and stuff. You know, our, our parents would cook food mainly on the weekends, but during the week it was kind of like fend for yourself. You know. So uh, a lot of the times when I was younger, you know, I was always in the kitchen, like making eggs, making toast and stuff. So I was always making things, you know, I was always being creative. And like, I remember uh, when I was in eighth grade, we were, I think it was in Mrs. Griswold's class or home ec class. It was like towards the end of the end of the year. And we had to like clean up the cupboards before summer. And she was like, oh, just go ahead and make a bunch of stuff, you know, just make something. So like she had like butterscotch uh, chips and marshmallows and Chex Mix. And so I made these like little butterscotch like snack bar things whatever and everyone's like oh these are so good and they're like oh she's like you're gonna be a chef someday and i'm like oh, yeah right like that's not gonna happen like you know and it's and i still laugh about that because like at that point in time that wasn't even a thought in my mind but uh you know i jumped in and uh my sister brie was working at the elks and she was like my dad and mom were like you need to get a job and i was like okay so she got me a job at the elks washing dishes and so I started there, and it was great. I mean, you know, I loved it because I was like, it was cool. It was my first job, my first actually paying job. And uh, I just loved it, man. I loved being able to use a chef's knife and fry chicken and just do all a bunch of crazy stuff. But it really kind of set set a really cool expectation in my mind of, like, this is fun. Like, this is cool. This is, uh, this is a new experience for me type of thing. So as I got into uh, college, I was looking for a job. And, you know, I was working on campus on, like, uh, the maintenance services and stuff. And my one buddy, Pete, was like, hey, we're looking for a cook here at the Colbin, which was, like, the kind of like a bar and grill type place on campus. And so I started working there. And, you know, it was just kind of like a short order. But, I mean, we would do, like, 12, 1,300 orders a day, you know. And so I was working the grill. I was working at Expo. And it was just fun. But I was working with a lot of the other football guys, too. So we were just having a good time, you know. So we were going out on the weekends and having to get up early Sunday morning and, you know, doing catering stuff and just kind of, like, really falling in love with it. But, I mean, even at that time, at, like, 1920, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And so uh, I just kept doing that for a while. And then uh, my sophomore year of college, I actually had to take a year off. I just had, you know, some money and stuff like that. Just had a hard time with financial stuff. So I took a year off and came home. Well, then I just worked at, you know, worked at the truck shop because I was actually working on trucks and stuff for a while. And uh, I did that for a year and then actually ended up going back to school. So I went and got back into school, got my job back at the coal bed. And they were like, oh, we want you back. You were the best, you know. So I was like the kitchen manager. And so as I was looking for another job, my one buddy across the street was like, hey, man, like, there's this retirement home that they're looking for servers. I was like, I've never served in my life, you know? So I went over there and served, and I had to wear, like, a dress shirt and, like, a bow tie and everything, all this crazy stuff. And it was, like, a fine dining place. And I started serving over there, and I was working at the other restaurant. And uh, one day I went back in the kitchen, and, like, the couple of the cooks and, like, one of the sous chefs were, like, trying to clean this thing. And I was like, oh, man, I'll show you guys how to clean this thing. So I, like, started scrubbing it. And I just ruined my shirt. <laughs> and uh, the uh, sous chef was like, man, like, you know how to clean? I was like, yeah, like, I work in the kitchen over here. He's like, man, we have we have a cook position. You want to come work in here? I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to. You know, it was like a full-time position. I was like, I was going to school full-time. So I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So I took that job, but it was like actual, like, real chefs, you know, like wearing big tall hats and chef coats. And uh, the chef there at the time, Chris, he's actually a really good friend of mine. We've been, we've been friends for like, we've been friends for 10 years now. But super intense guy, like, really great. But, uh, you know, he's like, I met him. He's like, so you want to be a chef? And I was like, yeah, I do. I want to I wanna, I wanna learn how to cook, you know. So he brought me in there and pretty much started my journey. But, I mean, it's just the, the best thing to me about cooking is, like, it, it's always changing. And there's a million different ways to cook something. There's a there's hundred different ways you can make 
something. I mean, I can go over to your house and your mom's going to make something a certain way and it's going to be something comforting for you. But I think the, the best thing about food is just, you know, sitting at a table and enjoying conversations with the people around you and being able to have those, you know, little intimate moments with somebody. And you remember those things, you know, like I can sit here and think of like 20 different kinds of food that I like, but I can remember each one of those moments sitting and, and enjoying that meal, but also that conversation I had with that person I was with. So I just really think to me, that's the most passionate thing, but I continue to keep going in the path I was. I still at that time didn't really think that I wanted to be a chef. And then at one point I was like, man, I'm getting kind of good at this. And uh, my one, one of my chefs was like, man, like you should really pursue this. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know, I can probably do this. And so when I was probably like 22, I like told myself, I was like, okay, if I can become an executive chef at the age of 30, like I'll be proud of myself. And so I got my first sous chef job at like 23 and then I got my first executive chef job at the age of 25 and I was running a like multi-million dollar uh, retirement home in Evanston on the north side of Chicago and just didn't know I mean I knew what I was doing but I mean it was a huge learning curve for me but it was it was a great experience so and like I said it's just it's been a huge journey for me and you know, then obviously kid, a kid comes into play in that. And that obviously changed a lot of things because, you know, working crazy hours really doesn't coincide with having a family life. So it's been fun, man. I, I can't, like I said, no, no regrets. And it's just, it's been a ride for sure. Definitely. And now you are 30 and you are working in and living in Indiana. Yeah. So I, I live in Southern Indiana. So I live in Madison, which is like right off the Ohio River. And then I work in Columbus, which is about... I would say 45 minutes south of Indianapolis. And uh, so I work for a company called ABI Food Systems. We're uh, out of Warren, Ohio, but we basically do contract food service. So uh, I work at a plant. Um, it's called Versia. They do um, basically automotive parts and stuff for like Cummins and John Deere and stuff. So I run a catering business inside the plant and basically provide lunch for the employees every single day. Then I support, you know, catering throughout um, our company in Southern Indiana. And then I do some catering stuff on the side, but yeah, I've been doing this for the last four years. I mean, I've been having a lot of fun with it and just, you know, been doing catering, uh, cater for some pretty cool people. Um, we got to cater for uh, Mike Pence's mom. She lives here in Columbus. I did a dinner for her. And, um, you know, I've got to meet a lot of great people just in this area. I mean, there's a lot of great chefs that live in this area between Louisville and Indy. There's a lot of great restaurants. So it's like it's a very progressive, you know, area. And just like the amount of the, the culture and stuff, too, is just awesome because it's like people are constantly learning. But also coming from Chicago area down to here, like, you know, a lot because that place like that's like a Mecca and people look at you completely different because, like, the cooking styles are a little bit different. So, like, you know, where you and I grew up, the food's, like, country and stuff like that. But, like, you get down here, it's, it's pretty country down here, too. So, it's, like, I kind of have the best of both worlds where I can do some fine dining, but also I can throw down on some biscuits and gravy, you know. So, it's, uh, I, I try to have fun with it. They don't know biscuits and gravy like we know biscuits and gravy. They don't know anything. Down here, they, they're chilly. They, like, serve it with, like, PB&Js and cinnamon rolls. They put noodles in it, man. I don't know what's going what? on, man. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, somebody, I went over there to somebody's house, and they, they put noodles in their chili, and they had cinnamon rolls. I'm like, what, what's going on here, man? Like, we don't, we don't do that. Where's the cornbread? I want, I want the cornbread in there. <laughs> yeah, we need some cornbread. We need a little spice. Yeah, uh, you guys got Cholula? I need some Tabasco. <laughs> Where's that at? 
That's awesome. I don't even know. I'm just like, come on, guys, what is this? So, but no, it's, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's been great, though. So, Chef Kyle, you have obviously been cooking for a while. What are some of, you know, your favorite ingredients, things that you like to work with, some of your main meals? Just anything, man. I really have been, like, messing around with spices lately. My girlfriend, um, she's also a chef, too. She's really great at what she does. Um, so she cooks at a restaurant down in Louisville, um, and she's a phenomenal cook. So we kind of bounce ideas off each other all the time. So we've been messing around with spices and stuff. And so we, like, I make Indian food all the time. So, like, I love curry. I love, you know, obviously cooking on the grill, smoking, like, you know, smoking different types of meats and stuff. And, like, we've been, obviously, with the whole COVID thing right now, like, beef prices and everything have been crazy expensive. So, we've been buying from a lot of local places. So, like, you know, I'll cook short, you know, beef short ribs and just a bunch of different proteins and stuff like that. But, like, you know, I like wholesome things, man. Like, you know, I don't ever stray away from where I grew up, you know. So, those really hearty things, you know, like, just anything in general like i you know i still love my italian beef i still love my pizza but at the same time man like you know i'm cooking still cooking mashed potatoes i'm still making meatloaf you know but also i'm trying to throw some flares on some stuff and you know throw some different things like i made you know meatloaf with chorizo the other day and you know use queso instead of gravy you know so it's just kind of like different ideas and like the craziest thing i'll be like going to bed at night i'll be like two in the morning i'll wake up and i'll be like oh my god this would sound so good with this you know so uh it's just insane how my mind thinks like that sometimes just of coming up with these crazy ideas. And, you know, the place I'm at right now where I work is like uh, my client. They just embrace that. They're really like love what you do. Keep making great food. Keep doing you because it just embodies who you are as a person. And we love like all the different things you come up with, you know. So it's like we just change the dishes all the time. But, you know, I just I just love food, man. It's, it's just because it's so changing and so different because you can make things so differently all the time. I can also tell you're loving the Southern life because I can hear the words and how you pronounce them. And if you were back home and you said Louisville, we'll be like, huh? You know, oh, yeah. Oh, Louis- yeah. Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville is how oh, we say I it. I know that's wrong, but that's how we would say it. Well, the craziest thing, man, is people down here, they correct you right away. My family and stuff now, like, oh, you're getting a little drawn. And I was like, yeah, I've been down here. But when I moved down here, man, they couldn't even understand me. Like, you know, they're like, oh, you go to Chicago accent. I'm like, I don't even, I'm not even from Chicago. Like, I live, I grew up in the, I grew up outside of Chicago like two hours. But then it's like, if I go home for like a weekend or something, I come home and then they're like, oh, oh his Chicago accent's coming back out. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious no they're silly man they're silly but I mean the same thing kind of happened to me when I went to Carbondale for SIU I go down there and I got the draw and then I came back up here they're like "Uh, you're definitely down south yeah you're yeah well I'm telling you man it's crazy you'll be like if you go over like Bloomington and then you start like getting over like closer to like places like near Terre Haute and people are like you'll hear like little accents and stuff but then like once you start getting closer down to like southern Indiana it's like really starts coming out and like am I in am I in southern Indiana or are we in like Arkansas like it's crazy but then you get down in Kentucky and it's just even it's just even crazier but it's just you know it's just it's just part of the area and I love it though man people down here they're everyone's nice I mean it's just the hospitality and it's just, you know, you, you meet so many cool people and everyone is just, it, it reminds me, being where I'm at now reminds me a lot of home. Just like, you know, there's no, there's no strangers anywhere. So I've really embodied, it, embodied just every everything here, every aspect of it. So it just does really remind me a lot of home. I do miss Mendota a lot, though. 
couple things I want to discuss off of, you know, what you were saying and what we've been talking about. First of all, you mentioned a few members of your family, so I want to give all of them a shout out. Mean a lot to me, helped me out in a really tough, difficult time in my life. So you said your sister Brianna, you you have sister Brittany, your mother Karen, and then you mentioned your father who had gotten sick and then passed away. So RIP shout out to Steve, a really good guy who helped me out a lot. So after saying that, just talk about how your family has, you know, been there to support you and, you know, been a part of this journey with you. Cause you know, I see their Facebook posts and, and you talk a lot about them obviously. So just talk about how they've been there to help you. Yeah. So, I mean, we've always been a tight knit family, you know, and that's the sweet, you know, you were even a part of our family for a long time there. And, uh, my mom has always been supportive and it was just, when I started doing the cooking thing, it just kind of, my, my family's always embodied, just always been like encompassing of everything that I've done. So it's like my mom, you know, I had a conversation with her two weeks ago and she told me, she's like, how, whatever you do in life, she's like, you're going to be great at it because she's like, you're just one of those people that you look at something and you figure out a way, you know, so she's always been supportive and, you know, I've always brought her to every place that I work and showed her the kitchen and, you know, she talks to the people and they're like, your son's so great and he's such a good cook and all those other things and we come home like we, Eliza and we brought the boys home a couple weeks ago for Father's Day weekend and her and I made a bunch of food and everything and, you know, she was just gushing, all happy, excited and just seeing everything that we made and, you know, she's just been so supportive and my sister's, you know, Brittany's always been supportive, you know, she'll, she'll always text me and tell me how proud she is of me but, I mean, throughout all the ups and downs I mean you know with dad passed and everything it was it was it was a really uh, it was really hard it was a really hard moment in my life um you know but it was also I think a thing in my life that I needed that it kind of pushed me in the direction of that I was kind of in a weird place at that time because I was getting ready to I, I was debating on dropping out of school and just going and trying to find something to do something else. And there was a part of me where I was like, I need to finish this. And, you know, uh, the conversation I had with my dad before uh, he had passed was, uh, you know, just to keep pushing. And, you know, if the cooking thing was what I wanted to do was to just keep pursuing it because he's like, he's like, you know, whatever you decide to do in this life, you're going to be great. He's like, you're smart. He's like, you're intelligent. You're, you're a kind person, you know? And so, uh, I guess in a lot of ways it, it made me a stronger person, you know, and I, I always try to look at things in, in two ways and, and that was something I took away from that was, you know, I miss, I miss the hell out of him, but you know, a lot of times I just wish he was here to kind of see everything because uh, I know you'd enjoy a lot of the food that I made and, you know, a lot of times I'll be making stuff and uh, I'd be like, man, he really like this. So uh, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes. You know, I think about him a lot, but no, my family's always been great, man. They've always been a huge supporting supporting system of everything that I've done. And just, you know, I'm really happy. We're all kind of living our own lives and, you know, got families and stuff now. And, you know, Bree's got, you know, kids and Brittany's doing great and just everything. I just, I can't be happier for everybody. You know, everyone's just really just doing really well. I know your dad loved your food when you were 13, making mac and cheese and throwing <laughs> hot dogs in it. <laughs> yeah, he did. No, man, he uh, he she loved everything, man. He he really did. He just was. He just he just one of those guys, man. He's you know how he was. He was just go lucky. He just wanted to be around people. You know, I remember, I remember that guy driving us to Walnut. He drive us to Rips to go get chicken. I mean, all the time we're just like, oh, we're, what are we gonna do this weekend? You know, and he was always taking us somewhere. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's just uh, anytime I think about them, I just smile because I just you know laugh, and it's it's just it's just one of those contagious things where it's just you think about it and just makes you happy, and makes you smile. But I'm happy with the way the life worked out, though, man. I like I said, I, I I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate for everything that I have. Definitely. I remember the last time I seen him was actually at a benefit for him. I don't remember where it was, but I'm sure you remember it was a benefit for him. Yeah, it was at Green River Saddle Club there in, uh, uh, near Amboy, yeah. I was doing the auction for a set of bags. A set of. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we were like at like, we kept going back and forth. Me and this other guy was like 110, 115, 120, one whatever. And just kept going back and forth. So all of a sudden I look at your dad and he smiles and I just look up at the guy and I go three. He's like three. I'm like 300. And the other guy's like, no, I'm not playing with that. So then. Oh yeah. I remember that, man. I remember you bought those. That was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because he was and he was yeah because he was doing kidney dialysis and stuff, and he was just yeah we were just really struggling too at that point. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I remember yeah. Oh man, that was awesome. <laughs> I remember I remember your dad talking to me afterwards because I only had like two hundred and something with me, so I had to go to an ATM, grab money, yeah. and he's like, "You don't even have it. What are you doing, Brandon? <laughs> like, like, why would you do that in the auction and then you don't even have the money?" I was like, "I'll go get it." He's like, "I know you will. It's good to see you. Thank you very much." and gave me a hug i'll never no, forget that i'll never forget that yeah. yeah he was yeah man like i said he he just he he loved you man he like i said he was just always grateful like for always just people being around and just very uh very big on that family dynamic and just always love company so i just like that's one of those one of those values of his that i've always you know just kind of carried over into my my life now especially with my boys and with everything that i have it's just you know just keeping that very like you know dear to my heart is that that, you know have that so you said your boys a couple times so you have a son and then your girlfriend has a son yeah eliza she has a son he lies eight and then steven's gonna be five this sunday oh wow five years old yeah Yep, no, we're getting big. Like I said, hopefully he'll start kindergarten this fall, and then Eli's going to start third grade. So, yeah, he's busy, busy, busy boy. So definitely pack weekends for us. So we're always doing something. But, uh, you know, they're great, man. Definitely keep us busy. Now, to kind of go full circle, when I first started this, I was talking about me cooking. I have no kids. Every once in a while, I'll have guests and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, making food for me and, like, one other person. So for you having a family and people to cook for and you're a chef and you like to be creative and do different things, does that kind of help inspire you too, being able to cook at home? Yeah, so that's, like, where most of our ideas come from. So, like, whenever we're, like, we'll be talking during the week and, like, okay, what are we going to make this weekend, you know? So we're, like, picking up stuff from the store. You know, we've been going to the farmer's markets every every weekend, you know, and buying things. We'll buy different vegetables and, like, you know, we got bok choy or, like, different jalapenos and stuff. So, like, I made some salsa verde and some different things. So we kind of base our menus all week. We'll be, like, craving something or we'll see some recipe. But it's just kind of crazy there, too, because we have some picky eaters in the bunch. Like, our boys will pretty much eat whatever we put in front of them. But, you know, most of the time, it's like we're still eating some chicken nuggets. We're still eating pizza. We're still eating, the, you know, we're still eating that craft mac and cheese. But, you know, we try to get a little creative. But, no, man, most of the ideas start from home, though, because I know a lot of times Eliza will be making something, and I'll be like, I'm going to take that idea for her. She's like, Chris, she's like, quit stealing my ideas. And I'm just like, but it's 
so good. Like we made this like uh, this sushi bowl the other day where we had like fried tofu and we did like like some tuna steaks and like some sushi rice. It was so good. But you know, that's like kind of where a lot of our ideas will start is we just kind of see these different things. We're like, hey, let's try this or like let's make this, like or let's make this bread. Like I saw that everyone was like making bread during the COVID thing, and I'm like, I want to make bread too. You know, so it's like I, I I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and, and baking's never been one of them because I don't like to measure. Where I just kind of look at stuff, I'm like, oh, that looks right. So I'm, I'm making sometimes I'm making food for a thousand people. You know, we do cookouts sometimes for ten thousand. AVI, we do the football hall of fame every year in August, and then we also have another catering event we do in Columbus, Ohio, for thirty thousand people. So we're talking prep upon prep upon prep. So. I'm looking at recipes and going, okay, I know how much goes in there. So I'm comfortable making food for a thousand people where I'm like, the first time I made dinner for Eliza, I was so damn nervous. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, she gives me a hard time. So I'll end up making food enough for 20 people where it's like, it's just us four. But, uh, you know, I'm getting better with it. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Something else you mentioned was, you know, we've all mentioned this, our life everybody's lives have been turned upside down COVID-19 coronavirus how has that affected you and your job and cooking and things of that nature it it definitely has affected my job I mean it's definitely making things different and you know I'm one of those people that have always been progressive you know you have to you have to accept change and stuff and you know prior to the COVID thing you know I've always been big on being cleanly and washing your hands and stuff and I always tell people all the time I mean you think about you at a restaurant you sit down and you know a lot of people don't wash their hands you know and I always tell people like you gotta wash your hands so like when the this all kind of started coming up and it started kind of, you know, there's a few cases and I put a sanitizer station out in front of our cafe and a lot of people are like, oh, what's that for? I'm like, you need to sanitize your hands and I can't believe how much pushback I got. They're like, why should I have to sanitize my hands? I'm like, it's not for you, it's for everybody else. You know, just have common courtesy for everybody else. You know, just take into consideration that, you know, we want to stop the spread of germs and keep everybody safe. But now it's become normal, so I, I'm trying to like take that positive out of this. That hopefully going forward, as this thing hopefully kind of dies down and stuff, that people just take a little more initiative for that aspect of that. We just need to be a little bit cleaner and you know just take a little more precaution when it comes to that stuff. But I mean, it, it definitely it definitely hurt my sales and, and and it slowed things down here. But we've adjusted, you know, and you know I had to lay off a few people and stuff. But I mean, for the most part, it, it's gone really well, you know. And it's just it's just been a learning curve. You know, and I, you know, and unfortunately, there's been some restaurants that haven't reopened, and you know, there's some restaurants that are doing really well. I know that the restaurant Eliza works at, they've you know doubled their business and they're doing really well. And I mean, they've taken advantage of the situation and really have kind of pushed forward and really just kind of grown a lot too. So it's 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 really kind of changed the dynamic for culinary, and I think it will going forward because you know it's going to a restaurant wearing a mask and you know taking hand sanitizer with you and that's become the new norm so i think for a lot of people just getting them out of their little comfort zone and it's like a lot of times it's like guys you know just just have courtesy and respect for everybody else because i understand you may not want to wear a mask and may not want to do that but it's just you know there's people out there that have you know not good immune systems and stuff so i mean not to get into all that stuff but i just all of it it's it, it has affected a lot of things but I think at the same time I think we just kind of collectively have to be progressive and just move forward and just kind of do what we need to do and, and make it right definitely totally agree with you my friend and to go full circle one more time we'll end with some sports stuff obviously at the 
I can't even say end of COVID-19, but where we're at right now in this process, trying to get sports back, MLB, NBA, NHL, hopefully NFL can start. We don't know yet. College sports, high school sports, everybody is going through this thing and we don't know what's going on. What do you think about the process and things that are going on here? I know there's just there's so many unknowns, and I think just just getting things in place, and people are trying to figure out what's the right avenue, you know. And and I think it's just taking the precautionary measures, you know. And I, I think people keep on saying we, you know, we want to have some normalcy in our lives, and what is normal? I mean, we have to really kind of identify what that normal is again. And you know, I, I want to watch baseball. I, I want to watch my football games, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I want to see those things too. You know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if we have to put those things on hold for a little while just to get things, you know, I guess at a safe level and for people and everything, I mean, yeah, it is, it's going to be hard, but I just think there's so many things we have to take into consideration just as, as a whole. But yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, my uncle Paul and I, we go to our baseball game every single year. We either go to St. Louis or go to uh, Chicago. We've been going to Cincinnati a little bit when the Cubs have been playing there. And, you know, that's something we had to put on hold this year because of everything going on. So, yeah, it's, it's been hard, but it's like, you know, am I upset about it? No, I'm not really because I'm upset, but at the same time, it's like I understand the situation, you know. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I hope that, you know, if they do decide to go forward with it, just, you know, just obviously make the best decision just for everyone's well-being. You just brought up two last questions. I know you're a huge Cubs fan. I know you're a huge Bears fan. We'll start with the Cubs. I have not talked to you since they won the World Series. How did that feel, my friend? Oh, my goodness. So I was there the year before, so 2015, the year before. So, as you know, they were going to the go, and I was at, like, one of the last games. And, I mean, it was packed. It was awesome. And it just felt good. I was like, man, they, they are going to they're gonna go. And I said, I just kept talking. I'm getting cold chills right now talking about this because Alex – how excited I was. I'm still excited about it because, you know, it's just one of those things. You grow up as a kid, I was always a Cubs fan. And, like, you know, I'm not, like, a huge, avid baseball fan. Like, I love going to games. I love being there. And I just, I love, I love Wrigley. But also, it's just, I love baseball, man. But, uh, no, I just, I remember, you know, going there in 2012, 2011. And, you know, when there was nobody in the, in the stadium. And then being there in the stadium's packed. And so then I had just moved down to Indiana. And started my new job, and they were actually in the World Series. So, like, I was staying up late every single night. I had to be at work six o'clock next morning. But then, when they actually won the World Series, I just kind of sat there. I, I mean, I literally sat there on the couch, and I, I just didn't move. And I'm just like, they actually did it. They actually just won the World Series. And I just kind of sat there for a minute, you know, and just was like, this is amazing. Like, this is just probably one of the best feelings that I got to experience. So I'm like. If they don't ever win another one, I'll be okay with it because I actually got to, you know, I actually got to see it, watch it, you know, live and breathe it because, you know, they went to extra innings and stuff, and it just it was it was amazing. And uh, you know, I moved down here, you know, my boss and stuff. They knew I was a huge Cubs fan. He's from St. Louis, so he's a huge Cardinals fan. So you know, I, and I always go back and forth. But the nicest thing he did was like I started this job like three months in. So I started in October, and then around December, uh, we actually uh, did the food service at Liz for the brick-and-mortar stores. We had the corporate headquarters store. So I actually got one of the first, like, World Series hats, like one of the championship World Series ball caps from Liz. He gave me one, the first one, so I was pretty, pretty excited about that. So it's still sitting at home on my dresser, so it was pretty cool. 
I was gonna say you have to still have that hat. You should always. No, I do. Oh no, no, I, I still, I still have that hat. I'm gonna keep that thing forever, man. You should always have that hat. You cannot get rid of that one. No, I will never get that. I'll never get that hat away. No, never get that hat away. All right, and then the last question. Got to bring up the Bears. What do you think yep. about the Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky deal and the future of the Chicago Bears, man? The defense looked awesome. Khalil Mack's a monster. Just our offense couldn't do what they needed to do is what I feel. I feel like all the pieces are there, man. All, all the pieces are there, and I just you just have to put it together. And that's what I remember, like, going back to uh, going back to high school football. You know, you can have all the pieces there. You just you have to make them work together, man, and that and that is one of the biggest things. And I really didn't watch them as much as I wanted to last year, but I mean, just they have a great defense. They have a lot. Of, they have a lot of great, a lot of great people on offense too. But they just have to put it all together. But I, I wanted to win. I wanted to win a damn Super Bowl in, in my lifetime too, so I can at least say I saw both my teams win a championship. So, man, I definitely want to see him do that. I, I mean, I like Trubisky. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's young still, but I don't know, man. I, I just, I really, I really don't know. I just, I don't know. Sometimes he looks really good and, like, he could be promising. And then there's sometimes where he couldn't hit the broad side of a board. And I, I feel like you and I could throw a football better than he could. Oh, I can throw a football better than him. And I, I'm terrible. Like, I, I'm absolutely terrible. You know, the funny thing is, Brandon, I, you know, you, you watched some Bears games with my dad. You remember how loud he used to get? Oh, yeah. You remember, you remember how loud he used to get? So all I can think about, like, ever since, you know, ever since he had passed, I'm like, I wonder what he would say right now. I'm like, I wonder how pissed you would be right now. I'm like, I wonder what the hell he would say because he just used to get so frustrated and so mad. He'd be like, there's something. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, Jesus! I'm like they can't hear you. He's like, oh, they're gonna hear me all the way down to Chicago. I don't. And I'm like, come on now. <laughs> he just gets so upset. I'm like, Dad. Okay, bringing that up. Just imagine his reaction when you tell him the Bears could have had Patrick Mahomes, but instead got Mitchell Trubisky. What would he do then? Oh, I'm sure he probably would have drove up there. I don't even know. I don't even know what he would have done. Yeah, I don't even know. I have no idea. He'd have been so pissed off. And I was just thinking that I'm like, I, every single time I see that, I just see they sign that big contract for him. I'm like, and then I saw that meme was like, oh, the Bears, the Bears saved all that money. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, ten years for over four hundred and I believe fifty million dollars. Is that was that the biggest contract signed, Brandon? Was that one of the biggest contracts signed? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Man, that is insane. It is, it, it's colossal. That's a colossal deal. I know. I just say, I just absolutely insane. But I mean, he's, he's definitely an athlete, though. I mean, it's, it's just, it's impressive to watch him on the field, though. That's for sure. He's my favorite oh, player in the NFL. I wish I could say my favorite player in the NFL is a Chicago Bear, but yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> There's no way I can yeah. say that right now. Oh, man. I know. I know. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see if, uh, see what Cam Newton does for the Patriots, though, too. So. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of move this year, so I don't know. I mean, let's see what Tom Brady does, and I mean, just I don't even know. There's just a lot of the cool things I'm excited for this year to see in the NFL. It's obviously if the season goes on. Yeah, even us being huge Bears fans, of course, we're interested to see what happens there. But like you said, the Patriots, the Buccaneers with Gronk and Tom Brady, and then yeah. can the Chiefs do it again? And can the 49ers, they came out of nowhere last year. They Can they do what they oh, did yeah. last year? No, I want, I want the 49ers. I mean, I've, I've been like a closet 49ers fan for a long time, too. So <laughs> that's just one of those things. I just, I've always liked the 49ers. I've always, you know, I don't know, for some reason, I've always kind of liked them. And I don't even know why, but I 
just I, you know on the side on the DL. I've always yeah, kind of like the forty nine. So yeah, I was pulling for him last year. Definitely. And then you got a Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I mean, he wins the NFL Player of the Year and was pretty dominant. Can they put something around him to win some more games? I mean, there's a lot of things in place. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely going to be interesting, like I said, if the season takes off. So I'm definitely excited. Definitely excited for some football, that's for sure. Excited for some college football, too. So, I mean, just all of that. I always, always love college football. I watch college football. So when you're watching football, does it make you want to put the pads back on? No, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I, uh, I, the most, I guess, gratification I ever, I coached uh, junior tackle for a year uh, when I took that year off. And that was probably, for me, one of the most fulfilling things I've done for my football career when I, I coached him in Dota. And I don't know what it was, to be honest with you, but I just felt like just sharing my knowledge with these kids, but also at the same time, a lot of the kids remembered me. So it wasn't like a glory thing. It was just kind of like, you know, they kind of like looked up to me a little bit and I was just like showing them all these things, but it was also just kind of giving them a little bit of a foundation of, you know, hey, this is this is fun, you know, and, and I was running with them and doing sprints and, you know, I was still in really good shape doing this stuff with them and I just had a lot of fun, you know, and I, I miss, you know, I played, in that, I played in that alumni game we had a few years ago. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, we had a, a huge group of people all from Mendota football. I mean, you know, Doc played, Doc tore his Achilles, I think, like, the second or third play of the game. But I thought it was hilarious. We played against Princeton. I don't know if you ever, did you get to watch that game, Randy? Or did you ever, did you ever, did you go to the game or not? I did the preview. So I wrote a story about it. I talked to a couple representatives oh, yeah. on both sides. Nice. And I did not nice. get a chance to go to the game, though. Oh, it was hilarious, man. It was, uh, it was funny because uh, a lot of people didn't know I was playing until up until the game because like I was living up you know I was living up in the city and then when I a lot of the guys from like Princeton because Princeton had a lot of the younger kids and we had people from all over the place I mean just people that played throughout the years and so then when, when I showed up freaking a couple of the guys that I played with in high school were like dude are you serious and I was like what and I was like I'm kind of old now. They're like, no. And then after the game, they're like, man, they're like, you still hit as hard as you did when you're in high school, even harder now. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I can still move some people around. So it was, uh, it was fun, man. We had a great time. Well, yeah. Chef Kyle Beef. We didn't even mention that 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 was your nickname, Beef. Oh man, oh, dude, that's dude. I got that nickname in third grade, man, and that thing wrote with me all the way through high school, through college, and into the kitchen. It did not carry with me down to Indiana, though. Now I'm going down to Indiana, and I am going to spread the word. <laughs> you better. No, it, it is literally so funny because, like, the, when I was when we moved into the kitchen, everyone was calling they, they instead of calling me beef, they started calling me carnitas. And so then when I was in the kitchen, they were starting to call me carnitas. And then, like, every single kitchen that I moved in, like, I knew somebody from the previous kitchen. So then, like, a lot of people were like, oh, carnitas. And I was like, all good and then when I moved down here you just kind of stop but then I still go home when people still call me beef you know and I remember even like at our football banquet my senior year like Coach McKenzie picked up my thing and he's like Kyle Bulford he's like oh beef you know and it just you know and I still go home and I still hear that man we still laugh about it you know but yeah no I, I had that nickname forever man it'll be my nickname nickname for for till I pass so no doubt I'll always yeah. remember you as Kyle no <laughs> Chef Kyle and always beef so, <laughs> just yeah. wanted to say thank you for joining the Edge of Your Seat podcast, Absolutely, man. This has, man. Been, this has been awesome. 
No, man, I actually I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we got to do this, man. I'm glad to catch up and everything. You know, it's been fun, and I love seeing the podcast, man. I've been listening to a few of them and stuff, and just it's it's just cool, man. I'm glad you asked me to be on here. So it's really a really pleasure, all mine, man. No, 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 no. Pleasure is mine. I had to talk some food. I had to reminisce. But like I said, I see the photos of your food, and I'm like, this dude used to cook macaroni and cheese and throw some hot dogs in it, and now he's making, you know, five-course meals, gourmet style for yeah. awesome restaurants and, you know, other gourmet places. So congratulations to everything you're doing, man. I appreciate Thanks for talking about you. it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it, Brandon.